Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 88 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yash Bika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we finally have the 2020-2021 Premier League season preview for you guys. Uh, we took a little mini two-week two international break vacation to kind of recharge, get set up, um, get everything in order for this new and exciting Premier League season. It's coming much later than normal. Because obviously with COVID and stuff, everything has had to shift. But I am so pumped and I'm so excited that the Premier League is coming back this Saturday. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be a, a season filled with ups and downs, crazy storylines. Tyler, are you excited? Uh, it's going to be <laughs> such an unpredictable season. This, I feel like this season is the most crazy. crazy. Like It hasn't <laughs> even started yet, but I can't anticipate what's going to happen. Because with all this COVID stuff going on, and just seeing how the teams played after the restart last season, this is going to be the most unpredictable year. Like, for all we know, we could see some random team like, I don't know, Southampton making it a top five. <laughs> so I know. Oh, my gosh. With Hasan Hudo, you, know, you never know. And I, I think uh, the banter, especially on Twitter, mm -hmm. is going to be crazy this Dude, year. What if, man, you get relegated. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what if Chelsea don't win the league this year? What's going to happen? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Literally. Um, Anything it, can happen it, this year. I feel like anything exactly, can and that um, I feel like that's going to be a crazy theme to kind of follow for the rest of the season. It's just I think the um, compared to last season and maybe the season before, I think there's just a lot more unpredictability. Even when it comes to who's going to win the title, I think a lot of people have City or Liverpool, which is mm -hmm. kind of known, but you never know. What if Chelsea actually? you know, really kick on and what if they make a real title challenge? We just don't know. There's just so much unpredictability in the air, which makes it a lot more exciting, uh, makes the Premier League super exciting, super fun to watch. But we have a lot to get through and we're going to try to keep it as structured as possible. In a sense, we're, you know, obviously going to talk about the things we want to talk about, but we're going to make sure we fit it in these time frames so we can get through everything because there's so much to um, go on. But mm -hmm. we wanted gonna, to take yeah. a look at um, every big six club uh, so we're talking just the Liverpool, City, United, uh, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea. So just like the normal big six. So we're going to start it off with Liverpool. So Liverpool, it's cr pretty crazy. They've only signed one player. They're still on the reins to try to re-sign uh, Genie Wijnaldum, which still hasn't been done. Still in talks to trying to get Thiago to come in. I feel like for months now or since last month, it always seems like they're either hot or cold, hot and cold. But they're really trying to get Thiago... My biggest question is, will there be a title hangover from last season? I think we saw once they captured the elusive title, they started to drop off a little bit. But Tyler, I need to hear your thoughts about what's going on with Liverpool right now. I I am a little concerned about that too, because like when you see the pro, like after the restart, you know Liverpool were still going off, but mm -hmm. after they won the title. Yeah, it was very much like all right, we we won. We don't, <laughs> we don't really have yeah, the drive. defense for sure. Just like definitely looked a little shaky. Mm -hmm. And then not having too much strengthening into the team from bringing in new transfers from the summer transfer window, it's making me a little nervous. Like we got Samikas, the left, the Greek left back from Olympiakos, but that's it. You know, Genie Wan Eldam still on the on the fringe of maybe getting a new contract or or going to Barcelona potentially, which is crazy. Which is crazy. And then but Ronald Koeman's a manager. Yeah, Ronald Coleman, dude. He's just that Dutch connection trying to bring Genie <laughs> in. I really don't want him to leave. And then you know, if Thiago comes in, maybe that'll help. But 
you know, I think I see all these rumors still. It's like, you know, Liverpool trying to pay 25 mil instead of the 30 million pound or 30 million euro fee. And then Bayern Munich still holding out. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. it's 5 million at this point. Just just give it to them. What are we doing? So yeah. I don't know why we're being so hardball, hardball or also just being like so poor. <laughs> it's like we're, we literally won the league. It's like, why? Why is money an issue right now? Yeah. But I think it might be an issue with possibly bonus payouts for players' contracts for winning the league. Because, you know, when you sign for certain teams, there's those little bonuses you can get for, you mm-hmm. know, if like if your team wins Champions League, you get 10 million pounds payout. If your team finishes top four, then you get like certain uh, payout. And I think certain players on our team may have had clauses in their contracts where they get a big payout for winning the Premier League because maybe that was something that the uh the board didn't really see as something that'd come immediately and that would be something that they would see down the line and it finally did come down the line and now they have to finally pay it out. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why we don't have that much money this season, but it is still very bizarre why um why we're still kind of struggling with that. You know, we sold a few players like Dejan Lovren, Adam Lallana is now at Brighton and then I don't know why Rian Brewster is there on the potential rumors of selling that. I I will say just quickly because uh, we're little wrapping up with the three minutes, but I saw Rian Brewster in the Community Shield. He missed that penalty in the penalty yeah. shootout. So do you think that's probably playing in real quickly into maybe Klopp has lost a little faith in him by missing that PK? I don't think so. I think Klopp was very forgiving for players making certain mistakes. If it's like consistent or not showing, you know, good discipline like you know Sako <laughs> what he did or something like that I think um that's when he would lo- Klopp would lose the trust but since he's also a young player and Klopp's put a lot of trust in him the, over the years I think he would still stay in the squad but I don't know why there's rumors for him leaving but overall I think the team is still strong like the key players are still here like the same 11 is still here so I think you know we have the tools to make sure we can win the league again it's just Will we have the right mentality to do it? This is going to be a new challenge for Klopp. He's going to be like he's won the Bundesliga before of Dortmund, but now being at Liverpool, can he win the title again after winning the Champions League as well? Is like can he just keep this this kind of dynasty started and then just kind of keep it going because he's not he's never really been challenged with this before. So this will be a new one for Klopp, but I think he has what it takes. But we'll see. And also just looking back at how. Ferguson did it with Manchester United. I think it's looking promising for Liverpool, but we'll have to see from this crazy season. Yeah, we'll definitely have to see. But moving on to Manchester City, their big transfers have been Nathan Ake and for Fer- Fer- Ferran Torres that we um, we spoke about before in our previous episodes. But still, don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah, and the 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 big question mark for me for City is. They have, you know, spent the cash. You know, they're in talks to with Napoli to try to get Koulibaly in. But my biggest question is, you know, they were pretty much embarrassed by Liverpool in the Premier League this season, in the past season, uh, with Liverpool running away with the title, basically breaking all the records or trying to break all the records Pep hit the past two seasons. I think, you know, and they got um, knocked out by Lyon, surprisingly, in the Champions League. A lot of people were questioning Pep's tactics you know, his mentality, you know, has he lost it when it comes to the big games, when it uh, when it really matters. And I think that might fuel Pep and this Manchester City team to really bounce back and be a lot more stronger this season. But their defense still worries me because 
for me, Kyle Walker, he's getting older. I know he's still pretty consistent, but he's getting older. So, you know, his pace is eventually going to start dropping a little bit. Benjamin Mendy, I thought, you know, when he burst on the scene for City, I thought he was going to be a really, really good left back. And he's decent, but I don't know. I don't know about you, Tyler, but something about Mendy sometimes, he he gives me the, he he doesn't show a lot of confidence in mm-hmm. in his game, I would say, for me, whenever I watch Mendy. I know they have um Jao Cancelo and stuff that could potentially break through but for me the defense is still a problem and if they sign Koulibaly I think it, it will solve a lot of those issues because they're going to be you know offering getting a leader in there but I Nathan Ake is a good signing but he's not a signing that will take you and win you the Champions League or potentially overthrown Liverpool and get you into the Premier League uh title mm-hmm. uh, so for me the defense is still the biggest question mark I I agree and as you said they still don't really have that leader. If they get Koulibaly, that may be the missing piece of the puzzle. But even mm-hmm. then, all their defenders are so injury prone. We don't even know yeah. if they can survive a whole season. Because like mm-hmm. Benjamin Mendy, he has 50 million pounds and he plays like a player and he's as reliable as a player that's like <laughs> 20 million. It's like, exactly. Like, what the heck? <laughs> so they also lost Leroy Sané and David Silva and those are two Ooh, key players yeah. I Especially feel like Sané Sané and also the leadership of David Silva they're losing a yeah. leader and that's like a very big intangible that they're losing and mm-hmm. once again they brought in Nathan Ake and Fernand Torres I will never I, maybe if I'll go through the whole season not knowing who he is <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like well, he might make a play here or there but if he yeah, gets for the most done, part, then I guess he'll we'll, we'll we still know don't know but we still don't know <laughs> if if I go the whole season not knowing who he is, then it's like, is he really a good signing? <laughs> but <laughs> I think uh, there, you know, is that question of will Gabriel Jesus come come through and be the number one striker? It's I don't know. Uh, I don't know. My money's on no. My money's I don't on think no. so either because like he's got he's given the opportunity last season, and several times he didn't really you know turn up, and we saw that in the Lyon game too, so in the Champions League, so. I think Manchester City, they haven't really improved, in my opinion, since the summer transfer window. If anything, I feel like they got a little worse because, mm-hmm. you know, it's the back is a little bit more aged and their key players, Kevin De Bruyne, Aguero, if you can consider Aguero a key player, and mm-hmm. Sterling, Bernardo Silva, you know, they're all still there. But it's just the thing that really put them back was just not having a leader. And I didn't really think they brought one in still. Mm-hmm. So... I think despite having a really good project restart run, I don't think they're going to be as strong as last season, but they could prove mm-hmm. me wrong because, you know, Pep was going off in the restart, but just in the Champions League, he's still losing to Lyon. So we'll see. It's it's so so much uncertainty. That's like the theme of this. It's like, it looks good, but at the same time, it's like also could look bad. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> but moving on to the other team in the in the Manchester area, we have Manchester United, who have finally signed someone in the transfer window. Thank gosh, they signed Donny Van de Beek from Ajax. A, <sighs> I mean, Tyler from Tyler's reaction, I everyone knows who Donny Van de Beek is. He's a wonderful midfielder that they signed for a pretty good price at forty five mil, I believe. Um, I'm super happy about this signing. I think he's going to make an excellent addition to the midfield. I'm very excited to see how, you know, if Solskjaer can kind of fit a plan where both, well, all three of Fernandez, Pogba, and Van de Beek can all play in the same midfield. I think it's going to be super exciting. And I honestly think if they're all firing full throttle, I think they probably have one of the best midfields in the Premier League, just with the raw power, the talent, and 
the creativity there. It's just so much that could be unlocked for this Manchester United side. I'm also really excited to see if Mason Greenwood, um, what steps he takes in his development, you know, now getting pretty much in an actual full season where they can really rely on him. I know he had that spat with the uh, England national team where he was basically kicked off for inviting him and Phil Foden were kicked off the team for inviting two females from Iceland into their hotel room. Um, Mm. But Mm -mm. I know Solskjaer in reports has said that he's put an arm around Greenwood and, you know, the focus has more been like, what can you learn from this situation rather than bashing him and making him feel down? Maybe something a Mourinho move. Um, Solskjaer is going the opposite way. But for me, I want to see Solskjaer, now that he's given, he's been given the squad, I know they're still trying to get Sancho and um, Sergio from, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, but the left back from Real Madrid. They're trying to sign a couple other players, but I want to see if Solskjaer can really put together a solid season. Cause we saw last season, you know, the excuses were kind of there where, you know, it was just up and down, you know, there'd be a lot of times where United looked really bad. And a lot of times where United looked really good, but it was never completely consistent. And when Bruno came in, he kind of added more consistency, but when we saw with Project Restart, when they lost Luke Shaw, that consistently consistency dropped and they were kind of scrapping for results. So I just want to see if Solskjaer can really put together a solid season where we kind of know for a fact what we're getting from Manchester United. And it's going to be assuming also, what if Manchester United get Sergio Regulon or the left yeah. back from Real Madrid? That's mm-hmm. going to be a big factor too. But as you said, Yash, it's going to be big on whether... If Solskjaer can have his starting 11 stay the same starting 11 the whole season. Cause like, I feel like throughout the season, they're just plagued with injuries from yeah. Pogba, Pogba, especially Martial, the, Rashford. Martial Rashford. Like, literally, everyone on the starting 11 just be like, at some yeah. point, they got injured. Mm-hmm. So, bringing Donny van de Beek, I'm still sad about that. He's one of my low key favorite players to watch outside of the Premier League. And I <laughs> bought an Ajax jersey with his name on it. I was like, oh my gosh. And then he went to Manu. I'm like, oh, can't get that anymore. Nope. <laughs> so I think having him, I, do you think he would replace Greenwood in that starting 11? Because like someone has to go. <laughs> I, I know someone has to go, but I see my ideal fit. I think I, I want them to get Sancho because if you literally get Sancho, you play him on the right and you get Greenwood basically time, more time to develop because mm-hmm. we saw in Project Restart, he kind of popped off for like four or five games where he was unbeatable, but then he kind of went quiet for the rest of Restart because I think maybe the the game time was getting to him where just the the amount of games he was playing was just a lot for a youngster. So I would like to see Greenwood get more time to just get acclimated and just, you know, get a full season, obviously, but get more chances to rest and just get his body prepped and stuff. So I still want to see Greenwood in the starting 11, though. I think he has earned the right to keep that right, you know, that starting position on the right wing, I would say. Mm-hmm. He's even got that England call up, even though he got kicked off for inviting the Icelandic female <laughs> Icelandic female and then Phil Foden was actually he has a girlfriend and then the girlfriend apologized he's like or no he didn't apologize she forgave Phil Foden it's like it's okay I was like yeah. all right <laughs> what I would have yeah, dumped him did too. oh boy it was not a good look for so English youngsters yeah. it's not a good look for English internationals this whole entire summer transfer I know window. it's like mm, that kind of changes jail. my perspective on how yeah. they're going to do in the Euros but yeah, but we'll see. We'll see, though. I think um, I'm excited for Manchester United, but yeah. 
but overall, Moving I on. think, yeah, you know, yeah. Manchester United, I think they're, it's looking promising if everyone stays fit. Yeah. That's the whole thing. A lot more promising than last year, I would say. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward. But moving on to the team that's the most exciting in this transfer window, Chelsea, who have literally signed in this one transfer window, Timo Werner, Ziyech, Thiago Silva, Ben Shilwell, and Kai Havertz. And they're in talks to potentially sign a new goalkeeper too. Oh my goodness. I will just say this right now. I think this is probably one of the best summer transfer window coupes, just looking at the star talent of names that I've seen a club ever do, ever pull off. I think Real Madrid have been the only club, I would say, to really pull off a transfer list like this. I mean, this is incredible. Well, it, it makes no sense. <laughs> like <laughs> it, we, we mentioned this on the previous episode, but I'm like, where does Chelsea get all this money? And also, I've never seen a team completely rehaul I know squad like this. they literally went all out like this is probably the most unpredictable team to anticipate because literally how are you going to how are you going to incorporate all these new players into the team and will they all be incorporated all at the same time because mm-hmm. I feel like if this was FIFA it's very easy you oh, just slide them in it's like oh yeah Warner at striker Ziyech at cam Thiago Silva center back you know you know put Zoom on the bench like whatever and then <laughs> it's like Kai Havertz you can put him at left center attacking mid is like something like that but in real life it's a lot harder just to get put in and especially under two months can you really learn frank lampard's like system that quickly i think that's yeah. why mason mason mount last season got in so quickly because he was he under frank lampard while he's a derby county so that's why he got yeah. in the starting 11 so fast but mm-hmm. i've seen you know under liverpool under other random teams over the past few seasons you know certain certain players Aren't even Pulisic. Yeah, even Pulisic. He didn't get fully acclimated until like halfway in the season. Yeah. So I don't know if any of these players, I feel like maybe Ben Chilwell, since he's injured, might not come until a little later. I don't know how they're, how Havertz is going to come in. I feel like he was a, he was a luxury pick. It's kind of like Calvin Ridley for the Atlanta Falcons. It's like, we didn't, they didn't really need him. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, I will say that since they bought Werner and um, Ziyech before the transfer window even opened, they were, they've basically been at uh, Chelsea for, whenever the transfer window opens. So I think out of the transfers, I think those two have the likeliest chance of really hitting the hitting the um hitting the league like with fire, I would mm-hmm. say, right away. Yeah, I think Warner is definitely gonna be someone who's definitely gonna be starting hitting the ground running. Like I think he will definitely be starting. And we even seeing in some preseason games that he's playing and scoring. So I think Havarts might take might take a little bit of time. But what I'm interested in now is who they're going to get in goalkeeper. There's yeah. not really been too many names thrown around, but mm-hmm. I feel like Kepa has been that one piece that's really been kind of putting them back. They got Thiago mm-hmm. Silva and Ben Chilwell, and that'll definitely help the defense. But getting a new keeper, that'll be key. So it'll be yeah. dependent on who they get. But what, do, do you actually think Silva will be a big upgrade? I mean, he's definitely better than whoever center backs, you know, better than Rudiger Zuma mm-hmm. and such. But... He's very old. He's like, what, 35, very 36? Um, <laughs> so you run the risk. all the uh, listeners that are above 36 years yeah, old. We're not calling you guys old, but in, <laughs> in soccer terms, in soccer, when it comes to soccer uh, playability, do you think he, I mean, I feel like this is kind of a risk because they're paying a lot of big wages and you just don't know with older players whether it could just, they could just drop off immediately. I, I think Thiago Silva still has a lot in his tank based on his last performance in the Champions League. He's really still showed that he ha- he has it in him. And I feel like this is the transfer that Man City should have got. Like he's a leader and 
that leadership can really bring out the most out of some of the other defenders on the team that maybe Cesar Aspilicueta was not really doing as a captain. So mm-hmm. I think having Thiago Silva there can help boost everyone else. And he's still a solid defender, in my opinion. I think he's still probably the best defender on that Chelsea squad already. And he, like, the second best would probably be, like, Aspilicueta. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really good transfer, and it's just really now dependent on who will be behind them. That Because Kepa, <laughs> he's going to be like, I'm I'm the boss. And then Thiago Silva is going to be like, no, you're not. <laughs> Yeah, because um, so, uh, well, you're definitely not winning the league with Kepa or really Caballero in goal. Because mm-hmm. um, Kepa, he's statistically his bad keeper. Like, yeah, it's it's not it's, good. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know who so, they're going to get, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So moving on to another team in London, we have um, Tottenham, who haven't made a very... They, it, they've made signings in the transfer market, but they haven't made super big, splashy Chelsea signings. They've made some very low-key, I think, that will help their squad signings with... Signing Hoiberg, obviously, they signed Joe Hart on a free contract and they signed Doherty from um, Wolverhampton Wolves, uh, the fullback. And I think um, I'm really excited to see how Doherty basically acclimates himself at right back for Tottenham because Serge Aurier, I think he did decent, but I think Jose Mourinho is trying to get him off the books. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because I think Doherty adds a lot more stability when it comes to the back line than um, Serge Aurier did. So I'm very excited to see how he goes and for Joe Hart, I think this will be a really, really good signing because Joe Hart is a really good leader. You know, you can say what you want about maybe his goalkeeping ability now, but in terms of just overall leadership, he is uh, he's very vocal and he's not afraid to get in your face. And I think Tottenham need a lot of that because, you know, that's something that Mourinho is trying to bring that that mentality of like not being afraid to, you know, confront someone being being a little bit hard, you know, being a hard team to play against, not always being like the nice guys, being the tough guys. So I think Joe Hart will add that. And I think Hoiberg will also add that as well. So for me, I think they're they're going to be a good squad. They're going to be a lot better this season. And Jose Mourinho statistically in his second season, statistically, I would say, in his second season with any team does really well. However, with those signings, they're not going to win the league, but I think they're going to be a lot better and they're going to really challenge for top four this season and really challenge for a lot of things. And under Jose Mourinho, under the Project Restart schedule, they were doing really well. They're basically top four if you were to just look at the table from the start of Project Restart and then the end of the season. So under Jose Mourinho, they've definitely been on the rise. But at the same time, I feel like Mourinho, every time he goes to a team, he's always had that big war chest of transfer funds to bring in whoever he wants. And then this is like Mm -hmm. the first time I've seen him in a transfer window where he's brought in not the most superstar players, but they're solid players, but they're just not superstars. They're not players. It's like, oh yeah, he's for sure going into the team. But I think these players will for sure add depth. I know he's trying to get rid of Ndombele still. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I think he's trying to bring in Bernardeschi from Juventus mm. on like a swap deal. I don't really know how that's a a fair trade in my opinion. I yeah. feel like Ndombele is a little better than Bernardeschi, but maybe mm-hmm. Jose Mourinho has a whole plan for this. I think under if you wa- have you watched that Amazon Prime Tottenham I'm trying documentary? to I I'm trying I don't have Prime yet, but I've been watching some clips on YouTube and it looks super interesting. Mm-hmm. Especially like, his I, conversation with Danny Rose. <laughs> where Dan, uh, Danny Rose is like, "Why don't you play me? I played I played like crap against Liverpool. I accept that. But why are you making a fool out of me on practice?" <laughs> 
this A one accent, and Danny Rose. Is, oh and then crap, Mourinho's just like, the I, I never. And Mourinho's like, I never, I never told it. I never said it. You played like crap. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then Danny Rose is like, let me just speak to Daniel Levy, and he's like, Mourinho's like, okay. Fine, go speak to him. I don't care. <laughs> I'm so glad he's in the Premier League. Uh, oh my Mourinho, gosh. But I mean, I think he can maybe bring back those that magic from these players that played mm-hmm. for Poch. Because I think under Poch, they really played for him. And then that really sh- had them excel. And they're still a genu- generally young team. So I think if Mourinho can bring out the best of those players, like Kane, Dele Alli, Son, the usual, I think they have a good chance of you know, challenging for top mm-hmm. four, but I don't, it's without those new superstar injections, it's going to be like the same as the previous seasons with Tottenham where it's like, it, there's not really that edge where it's like, there's that competition where it's like, oh man, Harry Kane has some competition for his position. Young Min's son has competition for his position. It's just kind of like the same players still. It's just more like kind of these players. I feel like it's kind of more like backup, but mm-hmm. We'll see how Mourinho kind of incorporates that and see how the mentality of the players take that into effect for the season. Oh yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. But jumping boat to the other team in North London, we have Arsenal, who under Mikel Arteta have won two trophies in a span of I think what two months? They've won the FA Cup and the Community Shield. They signed Willian on a free contract. They've signed Gabriel from Leo, the um uh the center back. Um, from Leo Gabriel, they uh, um, in general have just done a really good job um, with with what they've been given. Arteta has, and for the most part, I'm if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm pretty excited. I think Aubameyang will sign his new contract soon, or if I, I think it, it's going to happen with all the reports I've been seeing. So, and I'm I'm personally I'm very excited to see. I, I'm excited to see how Arteta really gets going. I've been pretty impressed with how his team has set up. In these big games in the FA Cup, Community Shield, how they played against the big opponents, there's a lot more structure when it comes to the team selection, how the team plays. And in general, if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm pretty excited because Arteta seems like he really knows what he's doing and he is the right man for the job. Yeah, he definitely knows what he's doing just based on the fact that he's you know winning trophies. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty impressive based on the fact that under Unai yeah, Emery, what he walked struggle. into... Yeah, like what he walked into as well. And then under Wenger, it was just such a struggle during Wenger's last seasons. So, yeah. And then building on to this new season and bringing these players like Gabrielle, Willian, and then also Saliba. He's coming in after being sent yeah. on loan. So that'd be a very interesting new center back that's not Mustafi <laughs> or mm-hmm. David Luiz. So that'd be very... I don't know how they're going to incorporate all this, but there are still those players that are... You know, lingering in the squad like Wendoozy. I don't. I don't know if he's left yet. I think he's still I there. Think I actually saw a report from pretty trust source that PSG are trying to get him, and they're trying to offer maybe Julian Draxler on a swap really? deal. Ooh, yeah, that'd be a good. That'd be a good switch. I know. So, I know. I I've actually heard this too. Like, I'm gonna put. I'll put this out here just for a little bit. But Leeds have actually tried to inquire about Julian Draxler as well. But that's for that's for a little bit later in the show. But yeah, Arsenal. They. They're a, a sneaky team. I think in terms of tactics, they have one of the best tactics in my opinion. Like I feel like they're one of the teams that can take down anyone. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know if anyone else agrees with that, but I feel like just based on Arteta's installation of his tactics, I feel like they are set up to dismantle even like Liverpool when I saw yeah, them, they beat like, City. Beat, 
Yeah, and they beat City they, they too. Beat I'm like, United. I think they pretty much beat everyone at this point. Yeah. They beat Chelsea. I feel like it's harder for them to be a lower league side. Yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, exactly. it's, it's kind of weird. But I there's it, Arsenal has gonna have a pretty promising season, in my opinion. I, I it honestly I'm, I I'll kind of say oh maybe mirror what Solskjaer went through um this past season where you have good players but the problem is when you play teams that like to sit back and create a defensive block do you have enough creativity in your side to unlock your to unlock that defense so you can get those goals and for Arsenal we've seen that they're really successful when they can sit back absorb pressure and hit on the counterattack cuz you have Pepe, Lacazette, Aubameyang, Saka, I mean the list goes on and on of like good players that know how to exploit that. So I think they'll be good because I think what they have going for them is they have one of the best strikers in the Premier League and in Europe, Aubameyang, um, firing at all cylinders right now. And he's looking incredible each game. So mm-hmm. Arteta's doing a good job getting the best out of him. I feel like all Arsenal fans are always disappointed by their team at the end of the season, but maybe this will be the first. It won't be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. New year. I'm excited to see what they do. The Premier League is a better league when Arsenal are doing well. I will say it Mm. is fun when Arsenal are doing well because it adds more competition and more, um, more of that rivalry is all there. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what Arsenal do. But moving on to um, kind of like a next section. uh, Moving on to the newly promoted sides, um, we have Leeds, West Brom, and Fulham. Uh, We want to start off with Leeds. So we're going one minute each with this. Uh, manager Marcelo Bielsa. Um, they signed Rodrigo from Valencia. Um, a player I'm kind of looking out for is Calvin Phillips. He's basically their CDM, deep line playmaker, can play center back. He was recently called up for the England squad. I think he's like 24 years old. So um, he's kind of a late bloomer when it comes to soccer players, but I'm I'm pretty excited to see what Leeds do. I think there are they're kind of like that bubble team. They're either they're gonna start off really hot or they may start off really cold, but I'm I I'm just excited to see what they do in this um, Premier League season. I think they're definitely a team that's here to stay. And I think mm-hmm. they have, uh, uh, from all the teams that just got promoted, like that latest batch, I think this is the most solid team. Like they should have been in the Premier League based on the results from last season. They got 77 goals scored, which is the best, tied best for most goals scored in the championship last season. And they had the best defensive record of only 35 goals conceded. I don't know how this is going to translate to the Premier League, but mm-hmm. under Bielsa, it could be pretty promising. And I think there there would be a pretty solid mid-table team. Yeah, I think they might actually do sort of like what Bournemouth did when they first entered the league, kind of hit everyone by surprise and just kind of level out to a decent mm-hmm. decent side. But moving on to West Brom, who are under the former manager, former West Ham manager, Slavon Bilic. Their squad is pretty interesting because when you take a look at it, a lot of it is filled with former top six players that never really panned out. Players such as Sam Johnston, former goalkeeper for Manchester United, Kieran Gibbs, former left back from Arsenal, and the list kind of goes on and on. But they also have Charlie Austin, who was a who used to be the striker for Southampton um, as their striker. So I don't know. I we're we're gonna go to our predictions later. I I don't know. I feel like West Brom in general are gonna struggle because we saw Slavon Bilic struggle a lot during his latter. Um, his you know his last season at West Ham, they struggled a lot when it turned when it came to consistency and such. So I don't know. I, I'm I don't know how I feel about West Brom. I think they're going to be teetering a lot this season. They did re-sign Mateus Pereira, the uh, mm-hmm. Brazilian who kind of was their centerpiece, their Ozil of the team mm-hmm. <laughs> from Sporting <laughs> on a permanent because I think last season he was on loan. So 
you know, West Brom, they were tied for most goals scored with 77 with uh, Leeds in the championship last season. They conceded 45. And I think they had one of the, you know, better defensive records too. So we'll see how that kind of translate in the Premier League. But, you know, under Billick, this is a, if we're trying to compare it to that team from West Ham when he managed back in the days, it is kind of same. And but I feel like some of these players, as just mentioned, were kind of like the scraps that didn't couldn't really make it in the Premier League, so they're just kind of here now. So, mm-hmm. but you know, they all have more experience, so we'll see how they do. Yeah, in this season. Yeah, and then moving um, to the last promoted team was Fulham. Uh, obviously, we all know Fulham. They're under the manager now, Scott Parker. Uh, used to be former midfielder in the Premier League, really good midfielder. So. I'm excited to see probably one of the best looking managers, I will say. Best looking? <laughs> yeah. What? This guy looks like a superhero with his like chiseled jaw and everything. I will say, I'll point that out. But um, play very much possession based. They have the American Tim Ream. I don't know if that really counts for much though. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'll just leave that out there. Um, but one of their bigger centerpieces is they have Mitrovic, who scored 26 goals in the championship last season. He's a big threat when it comes to the air and I want to see if he can actually pull it off and perform consistently in the Premier League because he ha- hasn't really done that um, even with Newcastle and when he was at Fulham so I want to see if he can actually take the step and do it in the Premier League I, I'm i wondering about that too because Mitrovic is always so promising but then it's just doesn't just doesn't he's a do hot it. head he's a very hot head <laughs> and then I don't know about that Scott Parker thing I don't <laughs> I just always picture him as that former Tottenham player that you pick up and had 60 pace and he's like somewhat solid, but it's just like, eh, kind of, you always kind of upgrade him later. But under, <laughs> as a Fulham manager, this is, he's now several seasons in and he's a lot more experienced. So we'll see how Fulham do in the Premier League now after going from conceding 81 goals the previous time <laughs> yeah. they were here. In the championship last season, they conceded 48, which is not as bad, but they, and they scored 64. So we'll see how all that translates once they do come into the Premier League. But they also do have Ariola, the PSG mm-hmm. keeper, for, on a free transfer on the team now. So this could be like Sergio Rico 2.0, where maybe it'll actually work. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a oh, pretty man. crazy transfer, in my opinion. But like Ariola is a good keeper. So we'll mm-hmm. see if that'll be enough. Yeah. We'll definitely keep an eye out Wait, on that. Isn't now, Fulham the owner the same as the owner as Jaguars the Jacksonville owner, Jacks? Yeah. yeah. He is. Yep. Maybe that's he why is. the Jaguars are selling everyone. Yeah, they got <laughs> rid of Fournette. Fulham. Yeah. <laughs> Put all the money in Fulham. I guess Fulham would be a little bit more... Valuable? Yeah. Because I think the Premier League is more valuable than the NFL, right? Or, I don't know. But I know Leonard Fournette, their star running back is... Um, release, yeah, so. yeah, he's not there anymore, but maybe that's actually he's at the Tampa Bay Bucks now, I think. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's an NFL tangent, top, but I yeah, guess now off, that off money's top. going into Fulham, maybe yeah. Fulham can buy him, <laughs> transition him <laughs> into uh playing right back. Yeah, I mean, he'll be a beast instead but, of RB for a running back, it's RB for right back, or right <laughs> exactly. Bench. There you go. I don't know how good his ball handling or not, um, <laughs> his dribbling, I don't know how good his dribbling will be. His tackling um, would be really good, though. Yeah, his tackling. <laughs> I think huge. he might get a lot of red cards, though. Yeah. But uh, in handballs, he'll be yeah, he'll be a beast, though. But moving on to, I guess, like our next section, we're just kind of looking at some teams that made a couple big splashes in the transfer market. We have Everton, who have actually signed James Rodriguez, Decore from Watford, and they signed Alan from Napoli. Wow, 
I just cannot believe they actually signed James Rodriguez. I know he's not the James Rodriguez from the 2014 World Cup, but still, James Rodriguez is still a big player. And the fact that Ancelotti was able to team up with him once again at um, Everton, I think it's pretty cool. I don't want to buy into the Everton hype because I feel like they do this every transfer window where they sign a bunch of players that you think are going to pop off and then they just end up disappointing. So I'm going to keep my meter down a little bit for Everton. I don't want to get too much into the Everton hype train. I feel like this is the first time we're really seeing Carlo Ancelotti effect where we're seeing him be the reason why certain players come that are Mm -hmm. slightly high caliber. Certain players, I feel like, that we've seen at Everton, we always say it's the backup. It's the player that is kind of just there because he couldn't make it on the team they're originally on. Or they're just past their prime. Like, you know, Theo Walcott, Andrew Golds yeah. from Barcelona, or, you know, Gofi Sigurdsson from Spurs. It's just like all these... It's just like, this is where everyone kind of goes afterwards. But, like, certain players like Decore, he's coming from Watford. I think he is one of their star players. And yes, Thomas Rodriguez, although he's not... You know, as you said, the Thomas Rodriguez of back in the days, he's still Thomas Rodriguez. Yeah. He has 50 pace, but I mean, he can still ping his a ball and shoot really well. And like his, his creativity, yeah, his left foot is still like, <laughs> so yeah, I think the best this, is, this is going to be very interesting how he's going to incorporate that with Sigurdsson in the team too. And Richarlison, he's probably buzzing from hearing this because he's like, yes, I'm going to get a lot more chances now with Thomas Rodriguez in the team and Alan. He's a low-key good signing. He's like a solid player for Napoli and playing that CDM position. They have that kind of locked up now with him and Decore. This is like the safeties. Like they're going to be going off. Mm-hmm. So now it's just going to be can Carlo Ancelotti pull it off and kind of make this team solid because they, they are inching closer to challenging for top six because this is starting to look kind of solid, but we'll see how he really gets the most out of these players. But yeah, I don't want to hop know, on man. the hype train because I'm a Liverpool fan. <laughs> yeah, the, the Toffees are doing some business in the transfer market, so we'll see. And um, moving on to Aston Villa, they have signed 24-year-old uh, striker from Brentford, Ollie Watkins, scored 26 goals last season for Brentford. Um, Villa have actually um, held on to Jack Grealish. I'm surprised. I actually thought for the most part he was going to go to Manchester United, but for, the, for this entire transfer window, that link to United to... Uh, Grealish to United has really calmed down and basically become non-existent at this point. So for the most part, Villa fans, I think Jack Grealish might stay. You know, everything could change, but if they can keep Jack Grealish and, you know, they sign Ollie Watkins, they still have John McGinn, they still have, um, for the most part, their core from last season. I think they have a shot. I think they have a shot at staying up. I think, you know, Jack Grealish is the main guy, though. They have to keep him. I think they have a shot, but I don't think it's a very good shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, Ollie Watkins, he was one of the top goal scorers in the championship last season for Brentford. And he was the reason why Brentford, and one of the reasons why Brentford was challenging for those top two positions in, and then they eventually made the playoffs instead. But he is one of those pacey players. He's not like Wesley or Samata, where he's like a bull or like a very physical player. I think Ollie Watkins is more of like a pace kind of player, which is something I feel like they needed. Because when you look at this Aston Villa side, they didn't really have too much pace. pace. It was just even Jack Grealish is not that fast. Yeah. And, you know, Trezeguet, he's just like, you know, average pace. And they kind of struggled on that. So I don't know if bringing in just Ollie Watkins will kind of change that because they have the same core that almost got them relegated and they needed to rely on 
like cheating VAR, <laughs> like hiding, like finding literally. the one loophole in VAR to like stay exactly. in the Premier League literally. and all this. And then also having like some calls for some of the other teams kind of go against them in the relegation zone fight. I think Aston Villa got really lucky last season. And I don't know if they can be as lucky this season with the same team, but at least they still have Jack Grealish. So who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, moving on to Newcastle, who have basically turned in Bournemouth 2.0 because they signed recently or yesterday Callum Wilson and Ryan Frazier from Bournemouth. They have Matt Ritchie there, who obviously was at Bournemouth. Um, and they signed fullback Jamal Lewis from uh, Norwich, which is crazy because I thought J- Jamal Lewis, for the most part, was linked to a lot of the bigger clubs. And for him, for Newcastle to come sweep him up, I think was a great deal on their part. I'm excited because I think Callum Wilson is a, a much better striker than Jolinton. He's going to add a lot of goals. And when you have um, the pace of Ryan Fraser, who's the assist king with Almiron, um, St. Maxim, and you throw in Callum Wilson, I'm kind of excited for a Newcastle side that didn't score a lot of goals last season. I think they might be a little decent. I think they might be a little bit better than last season, I will say, with these additions. They better be better than last season. <laughs> yeah. It's like with these people, <laughs> holy cow. But Jamal Lewis, that's a very interesting one since he's literally linked, linked to Liverpool and is like, welcome to Newcastle. Is like Javier Marquillo 2.0 where it's like, well, I guess uh, we're in Newcastle. But this is going to be a very uh, weird to say, but as you've been saying, a exciting Newcastle side because they are, they actually so have an attack pace. now. Yeah, they have pace now. And pace for days. I think if I remember correctly, Almiron is like upper 80s, St. Maxim 90, and then Fraser. Like they literally, and then like they literally all have 80 plus plays as opposed to last year. It's like they were struggling in the 70s. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think they'll play a lot faster, basically, is what I'm saying in real life. So we're going to see how that's really going to change because I feel like last season, Newcastle was a lot more kind of sit back and just kind of get them on a set play or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, and then, or St. Maxim can just dribble out the entire team, then he can do that. But this is a very big move for Newcastle and Steve Bruce. So they went from possibly getting Mbappe, Dybala, every oh, single player. I forgot about that. <laughs> from that Saudi takeover. But, you know, it didn't happen. But at least they got these players. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not all players. Solid. These are solid players. Not the yeah. best, but they're for sure solid. Yeah. Um, and moving on to Sheffield, who have signed Aaron Ramsdale, basically the um, Dean Henderson replacement, which is pretty solid, I would say. Not as good as Dean Henderson, but pretty solid. And which is crazy. They signed Ethan Ampodu uh, on loan from Chelsea. That is wild because um, he's a young center back who has a, a lot of potential to be really good. And they already have such good defenders as is. So the fact that they were able to pull this deal off, I think is going to be really good for Ethan's um, development. But my goodness, Sheffield have got a, a, what a player they've signed on loan. This is a little crazy since Sheffield is one of the few teams I feel like that really excel because of their defense. Like they play from their defense. Yeah. And like a lot of their goals are scored from their wingbacks. And it's like a, it's not like Liverpool kind of the way they play, but it's the fact that they get a lot of their creativity as well and their goal scoring from their defense and their wingbacks. So mm-hmm. it's going to be really interesting to see how Sheffield do without Dean Henderson this season because mm-hmm. I feel like he was their best player at mm-hmm. times. So how much will they miss him? And also how much will it play into the fact that now everyone won't 
underestimate Sheffield this season. I feel like yeah. last season, even we said that they're going to be for sure the 20th place relegated team. Yeah. But, you know, they surprised everyone and were fifth place for most of this for a good portion of the season last season. But mm-hmm. I think this season, a lot of them teams will know what they're going to get themselves into when they face Sheffield. So we're going to see how they really do cope with this kind of new expectations on them. And can they yeah. kind of deal with this new pressure? Yeah, I I'm excited to see what Sheffield can do because I think um, Chris Wilder is a good manager and we'll see. But moving on to Wolves real quickly, they have signed uh, a decent amount of players, but they one of their bigger signings is the teenager from Porto, Fabio Silva, who was their who was Porto's youngest ever goal scorer. Um, Ruben Neves came from Porto, so kind of that connection there. But for me, this is a big signing. They spent a lot of money on a pretty much unproven teenager, I would say. So for me, this this signing almost feels like Wolves are kind of planning maybe for the imminent um, departure of Raul Jimenez sometime soon, or maybe Adama Traore, kind of planning for that future and getting a, a, a young striker to kind of, you know, usher in. But it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a risky signing, I will say, on Wolves' side. Mm-hmm. And he's so young. I'm, yeah. I feel like he's Wolves really young. needs some more impact players too for, for now because they're, they're going off. This is like the best Wolves team they've had in the Premier League era so i feel like they should be building onto that and they're making sure they keep like building on top of that would help keep the players like adama Traore, Raul jimenez ruben neves they'll keep them happy because they'll show that there's ambition at the club to you know achieve more and just keep growing and growing and if this is one for the future and then kind of like how you're thinking about it it's just more to kind of make sure if you know if one of those big players do leave they have someone in the in the back ready to take his place I feel like that's kind of like a more safe kind of play, but it's kind of be it's gonna be interesting to see how Wolves kind of carry out the season and what their ambitions are for the future because they don't have any European soccer this season, so yeah. we're gonna see how they're gonna perform in the Premier League with mm-hmm. relatively same squad too. And I feel like that's yeah. like a theme with most of the teams this season because of that yeah. shortened transfer window and shortened se- and like just the random season. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and now moving on to the fun part. We got predictions. Uh, I'm so excited for this section because it is, Tyler and I were talking, it is so unpredictable this season, but I'm going to go ahead and get it started. My predictions for the top four, basically the top six, is I have City winning the league, Liverpool second, Chelsea third, Manchester United fourth, Tottenham fifth, Arsenal sixth. My reasoning behind that is I think City will have that revenge factor. Pep will get his squad really motivated. Um, Kevin De Bruyne won PFA Players Player of the Year. He's he's going to keep on getting better. I mean, he's literally one of the best midfielders in the world. Um, the biggest question mark, obviously, is the defense and Gabriel uh, Jesus. But I think they can get enough momentum going where I think they can maybe leapfrog Liverpool that we've seen in the past couple of seasons where if you don't start off strong, it's hard for you to make up that ground and eventually win the title. So I think Liverpool might start off a little bit slower and that will allow City to kind of gain a lead and maintain it for the rest of the season. Chelsea, I think with all their signings, have to finish in the top four because if they don't, it's a massive failure on Frank Lampard's part. But I don't know if they're good enough yet to win the league. I think if they sign a new goalkeeper, I think if they sign a new goalkeeper, I think they're well in the conversation of maybe challenging for the league. But the new players getting adjusted to that, getting adjusted to Premier League will be a little too much for them. So I think third, I think they will gun for the title for majority of the season. But I feel like once the winter break happens, I feel like Chelsea might dip off a little bit. And that's when we'll see them kind of basically nestle into third place. 
Manchester United, I think if they can sign two more players, I think they have enough to enough quality in that squad. And I think if Solskjaer can keep them consistently performing at a high level, I think they have enough to finish in the top four again. Tottenham, I don't think I've made enough big transfers to really push themselves that much ahead. Mourinho's second season is going to be good, but I think they honestly might. I know league is they want to challenge for the league, but I think they might go for one of the cup competitions to get a trophy underneath their belt. I think that's where their priority priority might be. And for Arsenal, I think they're going to be solid. They're going to be a lot better than last season. They might surprise some folks, but they still have a long way to go to basically get into the top four. I think um, they need to make some bigger signings, but I think for what they have now, I think it'll be a good growing season for them, but I don't think they're strong enough yet to break into the top four. And I will now say my top six predictions, which is actually very similar to yours, Yosh. I feel Mm -hmm. like it was kind of like last season where for our top six, it was literally the same six, but we just rearranged everyone. Yeah, flip-flopped. We flip-flopped like one and two, three and four, and then flip-flopped like five and six. Like literally, it's just like that down the line. But (laughs) it would be a little similar to me this season, like the same kind of last year where I think Liverpool can win the title again. I think they have what it takes and they still have those leaders, those key players still on the team. I think Klopp, one of the best, the best manager actually in Mm -hmm. the world still. So I think he has that kind of swagger now and the team is still so strong with all these players and bring in another season with Minamino. That would be key. And then also Keita, I feel like is coming on the rise. You're going to see like the full potential of him this season. And then these new kind of youngsters, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, maybe might get some more minutes and then it'll be kind of interesting to see how they really stack into the team and hopefully Rian Brewster gets his minutes because I always talk about Rian Brewster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get Rian Brewster in the pod if he listens. But <laughs> second place, I think Man City. Man City, I kind of alluded to this in the preview of them earlier in this episode, but I just don't think they have that leader still. I think the reason why Man City didn't win the title this season or really competed with Liverpool is because they kept losing those one-off matches all of a sudden out of like the blue random when they should have won, like losing to Norwich, like from the Pookie party or losing (laughs) to like Arsenal, like those games, I feel like they should have won. And even in the Champions League with Lyon, like we're going to keep talking about that because they should have won. Like they're a much better team on paper, but they didn't. And I think they'll continue to keep losing these kind of one-off games despite winning other games in the league like 5-0, 6-0, 8-2. Like they'll win games big, but then they'll also lose games like 3-2, 1-0. Like I think that could still happen because they don't mm-hmm. have that leader. And it's those leaders that really make the difference. Like Vincent Company scoring that game-winning goal against Leicester to win them the title. That mm-hmm. made me cry. Like they don't have that kind of leader <laughs> Aguero, still. Aguero. Yeah, and like Aguero not really getting that many consistent starts anymore. Because he's getting hurt. Yeah, because he's getting hurt. And also, they're trying to bring in Jesus to be that main man. But Jesus is not really, you know, playing that part. Maybe Mm -hmm. having those voids be open now might allow for certain players to step in, like Kevin De Bruyne, to maybe make a bigger voice or Raheem Sterling to be that leader. But I don't really see it because I feel like if they were leaders, they would have stepped in by now. But they could prove me wrong and maybe compete with Liverpool for that title. I think it'll be a lot closer this season between the two, but I still think Liverpool have that slight edge. Mm-hmm. For third place, I have Chelsea. It's the same as Yush. 
I honestly don't know if Chelsea can get third, but I just know that Chelsea have to get in the top four. Otherwise, Frank Lampard's going to get fired. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Roman Abramovich fires every manager that doesn't win the title. <laughs> and exactly. for Frank Lampard to get fourth last season under no expectations, that's like incredible. But under Abramovich is probably like disgusting. So I think <laughs> even third place for Chelsea, that's like borderline like firing. So I really hope Frank Lampard stays for a while because I feel like that could change the culture of the club and kind of make kind of make him grow into like a better cultured club and one that can really facilitate the youth that they always bring in because they have so many youth players that they just send out on loan. It's like the kid that they like parents have that just send to boarding school. So mm-hmm. I think they had the potential to be a really good big club that has like a very nurturing culture under Frank Lampard. We just have to see if getting that third place with all these new signings that is very possible. They had the potential to do it. We'll keep Frank Lampard there. And also I, I, I this is kind of more just a hopeful um, kind of prediction because I kind of want Chelsea oddly to kind of succeed with these transfers. Cause most of the players they brought in are players that I like, I, I know probably Yush likes them too. So mm-hmm. I just kind of want to see him do well, but fourth place. I have Manchester United. So Manchester United, same as Yesh as well in his prediction. This is the last part of the prediction that is going to be the same as Yesh. But I think under Solskjaer, this could be like his third season. So I think, yeah, with well, I guess like yeah, two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. I guess (laughs) it's like he count as third. It's like yeah, yeah, because of his half season, his half season roundup. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I think under. All these new players, all these not new players, but like all these players coming back from injury and then having that solid starting 11 that will push them into the top four and having Van de Beek. I think he's going to be a key player for them, not in the fact that he's going to revolutionize the squad, but in the fact that they'll elevate, he'll elevate this team to be at the next level, because the more good players you have on the team, the more potential you can, you know, you know, perform better. So I think this is just like a really easy puzzle piece to put in with Van de Beek into that midfield to make it better because now you, you will have less of Yush complaining about Fred <laughs> or Pereira and, or Pereira it's like alright we actually have Van de Beek like he's a solid player <laughs> so I like yeah. literally little things like that can help bring a team into that top four and I think they're mm-hmm. he, Manchester United are just a little bit above who I have in fifth and sixth to really secure that position so you know I got man to you there as a Liverpool fan I got them getting back in the Champions League once again so let's go <laughs> for fifth place i have arsenal so i i feel like i have a soft spot for arsenal just because i feel like half of my soccer friends are arsenal fans i just feel like i have a little bit more insight just because they always complain to me about arsenal and they just <laughs> tell me all the things and i have to counter it's like no they can do this this and this and i kind of always talk about the good things so that they don't cry but i feel like arsenal they legit have a good opportunity they've won two trophies already which is something is weird to say for arsenal it's like oh they're winning trophies so if they can get fifth which is still kind of sad because like usually you see them getting fourth and getting champions league football like that's what they're known for like being a champions league football team it's gonna be it's gonna be hard but i think they're gonna barely miss out and I think it's going to be really close. But I think Arsenal, given the like how many wins they can get from those top six battles, will really kind of show whether they'll get fourth or fifth. But I really also think that if they can, if they don't clean up 
getting draws or losing to kind of lower league opposition, like, you know, kind of the teams fighting relegation or those or the teams that are in the mid table kind of battle. If they don't clean that up and kind of make sure those are for sure wins, I think that's why they're going to be in fifth. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, I'm very hopeful for Arsenal. And this is not kind of as blind as the hope for Chelsea, but I think Arsenal legit are building something good and they have really good building blocks from their academy players like Saka and Maitland Niles, just like as a foundation there to Maitland Niles is like a weird one to point out, but the fact that they are using their youth is like really a good sign. So I Mm kind of like Arsenal for that. And under Arteta, it's just going to be very fun to see. But for my last spot in the top six, it's going to be very typical. I've been debating, do I bring in a team like Wolves, Leicester, potentially even Everton into the top six? Because, you know, even last season, we saw Leicester sneak into that top six. But Leicester, I don't feel like made enough transfers to really push them into the top six. And also under Brendan Rodgers, we kind of saw regression. I mean, it's a little early to say regression now in the second full season, but... I think the, he hasn't really brought in like a superstar like Suarez to really help push that team or like really bring mm-hmm. him, bring up a player like Sterling for him. So I I don't really see Leicester improving much from what they did last season. And I feel like all the teams around him improved their own squads. So I don't see him coming in. Wolves, as we mentioned, has, is kind of like the same. And that's why I have to go with Tottenham as number six. Tottenham, mm. I feel like, is very sneaky. It, they could also push for top four, like Arsenal. But it's just the strength of the squad is what's keeping them at six, I feel like. And Jose Mourinho, he's not the most progressive in terms of his tactics. He's very good at winning those one-off games still, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. for consistency throughout the entire season, I think the other managers' tactics that are above him in those top five that I listed before are will be the difference. And I think under Mourinho, you know, I always, I feel like historically, I always say that he doesn't win games big. I feel like under this Tottenham squad, it's not the same under Poch, where, you know, it's, I feel like at times it's very free scoring. Mourinho could prove us all wrong and make this team free scoring once again, but I see him winning games more kind of, you know, park the bus style as he usually likes to do, like 1 0, 2 1, very low scoring. And I think that goal difference might push his team to be six. Although they yeah. did really well since the restart, I feel like this could be a new season and I, certain teams might have that edge back like Liverpool. Like I don't think they Liverpool really cared after they won the title, but now mm-hmm. everyone will be back on level ground. So this could be a lot more even. So I think that's why Tottenham will be six because, you know, they probably did win some games in project restart that maybe they might've struggled in, but you know, I think Tottenham will still be a good team. They'll be better than last season for sure, though. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be struggling 14. Yeah, we'll see. I think um, I think the top six is, top six is going to be really interesting this year because there's so much uncertainty. But mm-hmm. you know, we have our picks. We'll see if those are those come true at the end of the season, which is going to be a long time from now. But uh, moving on to who gets relegated real quickly. Um, for me, I have Villa, West Brom, and Fulham. Just on the sheer fact, I think Villa didn't do enough to really improve their squad. West Brom, kind of a wild card. I really don't know what I will what we'll be getting out of them. Fulham, my personal pick for Fulham is because I feel like 
that carryover of getting embarrassed that really that badly in the Premier League two seasons ago, you know, there a lot of the players are still on this squad that were a part of that Premier League side. Does that mental like do they still remember those memories of just getting dominated like that from opponents? And I feel like that mental side might be um, a big issue for them. So that's why um, I have them going back down again. And also, I don't think they they have enough quality wise or brought in enough quality wise to keep themselves afloat. It will be a, it will be definitely be a much it's going to be a struggle, a back and forth struggle for them for the entire season. But I I, I just think at the end of the day, they won't have enough to stay up. Mm-hmm. For me, I feel like. Last season, when we made these predictions, I feel like the relegation prediction was the one I was most off. <laughs> was, mm-hmm. This is the most crazy because, like, you know, we predicted Sheffield to get relegated. I think I predicted Crystal Palace to get relegated and yeah. they got mid table. So mm-hmm. for this season, I, it's going to be a little shot in the dark as well. But I feel like I'm going to go in with not the same mentality as last season, but I think based on statistics, this is what I'll go with. I say Villa, Aston Villa, unfortunately. I know we have some fans out there that are Villa fans, but I know <laughs> I, I think they didn't really improve the defense enough. They conceded 67 goals last season and they got really lucky with VAR. <laughs> Although they kept Jack Grealish, I don't think it'll be enough to keep them in the Premier League. They scored only 41 goals as well. And if and I think teams have also figured out Aston Villa throughout the season where it's like, oh, we just stopped this guy, Jack Grealish and Trezeguet, they're, they're screwed. <laughs> but maybe yeah. Ollie Watkins could change that. But I don't think they did enough in the defense and losing out of Pepe Arena too and Tom Heaton still injured. I think they don't have enough to really stay up because, you know, if we saw Fulham from those couple seasons ago conceding 81 goals, I feel like Villa are going to concede a lot of goals again. So when you concede a lot of goals, it's really hard to come back. And it's really mm-hmm. like it's really hard for the players mentally as well to really no, it's like, oh, we're going to have to score multiple to keep in the Premier League. So I think Villa are going down. And the other team I think is going down is Fulham. I think they got a little lucky getting into the Premier League in the first place from the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I feel like Brentford had a really good shot, but then Fulham, you know, really played the playoffs well and then made it through. But as Yush mentioned, a lot of the players are still players that were in that team that conceded 81 goals a couple of seasons ago. They have a little bit more experience now but will that experience be enough for them to stay in the Premier League I don't think so and then with Ari Alola at at goal I don't know if he can be the one guy who really saves them a defense I feel like they'll concede a lot of goals again this season and you know Sam Byram he scored that crazy free kick to even put him in the Premier League will that be enough to really give him the boost to stay in will that Mm -hmm. magic still kind of be there I don't think it will because, you know, Fulham was kind of lucky to be there. But mm-hmm. I think Fulham are going to be just kind of riding the season out and then getting relegated right back down. <laughs> and then for my last position, I, I've i been debating. There's been like several teams I've been put in this relegation zone battle. I'm going to list the three that I'm debating could be in this battle for that last spot getting relegated, which is Crystal Palace, West Brom and Brighton. I'm actually going to say Crystal Palace goes down because I said they would last season <laughs> yeah. and then they didn't, but they didn't really do too much this season to really improve the squad again. They got Eza, like this attacker from Birmingham, like he's, or no, QPR, who yeah. is supposedly a very reliable 
player. He played all the games and he was one of the cornerstones of that QPR side in the championship last season. But will that be enough? Will that be enough if, say, a Wilfred Zaha goes down? I think if Wilfred Zaha goes down, what are they going to do? Because they only scored 31 goals last season, which is one of the lowest in the league. And I feel like under Roy Hodgson, they had the potential to always like find an escape path to get out. But um, I remember Stoke City just a few seasons ago. We always thought they were like a solid mid-table team. And then all of a sudden, they just got relegated one season. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see that with Crystal Palace if Wilfred Zaha goes down or if just teams kind of figure out how to stop Zaha again because he didn't really have a good season last season either. So mm-hmm. I think it might kind of bite him in the butt where they don't really have um, much building on the team besides like Eza and like a few other youth players. But I might finally catch up to them. But... It's it's really hard to say because I want to also bring in Brighton and West Brom into this into this argument, but I feel like Crystal Palace also just based on the Project Restart result where they literally only got like four points, <laughs> and they're just playing terribly. That also that also I feel like might play into a part because what if they have a really poor start? It's gonna be really hard for them to recover, and they might be like a Watford situation too where they can't they don't have enough to recover. So I think Crystal Palace will be the last team going down. Yeah, it, it is going to be interesting. Um, I think the whole theme, as we keep saying, is uh, unpredictable um, of the Premier League this season because there's just so many teams that I personally feel like that I didn't list could get relegated as well. The top six battle is going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, that kind of wraps up this a this long and I, I would say pretty thorough preview episode. We're excited, like we mm-hmm. said again, with the Premier League starting back up this Saturday. We're really excited to get those weekly episodes out again. I think the lull that we had when the season ended was to be expected because there wasn't that much news going on. But the two-week break helped us helped us get a, recharged and ready for the season. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff coming out. So we're, we're excited. I hope you guys are excited. But like we always say, please make sure to um, uh, give us a rating on iTunes, comment, subscribe to the show. Um, we're also on YouTube that you can um, follow us on there. We're going to get the uh, Twitter and Instagram stuff back out rolling. So give us a follow at the premier pod on there. But yeah, we appreciate all the support that uh, we've been given and that you guys give to us. So yeah, keep it coming and we'll keep the content coming. So thank you guys so much. Um, that wraps up uh, season three, episode 88 for us. So thank you guys. Peace. Peace.